Support for this episode comes from Lexus. What emotion fits in the palm of your hand? Can you wield the power of gravity? What does exhilaration sound like? Only Lexus asks questions like these because they believe the most amazing machines aren't inspired by machines. They're inspired by you. Not only has Lexus asked these questions, they've answered them. Discover the answers at Lexus.com curiosity. Lexus. Experience amazing. Our most intimate experience can be our greatest inspiration. The place where ideas are born. But what if those ideas stay in hiding? What if they never have the chance to be shared? This show creates a safe space for giving talks anonymously. We value ideas over identity, substance over style. You cannot talk publicly about it. impacted my whole life. I just don't have the constitution to get up on a stage and give a talk. I never told from TED and Audible, this is Sincerely X. I'm June Cohen, a longtime host and curator for TED. And when I first reached out to the speaker, she was a bit surprised. You know, I never, ever, ever expected an email back. No, when you hear the bleep in what follows, it's because she accidentally reveals her home state. And of course, we want to preserve her anonymity. Well, I, I'm sitting in the middle of real and I had gotten an email back from you guys um, saying that you wanted to talk to me more. And I had essentially followed a tractor uh, today. So it was a little bit um, overwhelming <laughs> to, to get an email from Ted, you know, in the middle of as I, I watch the combines work. America is an enormous place. And at the core of our nation's identity are our small towns and wide-open spaces. This speaker comes from one of those places. She frequently finds tractors in front of her on the road. She loses cell phone service driving between towns. And let's be clear, she loves this place. But her community, like rural communities everywhere, is changing, especially for women. She mentions this on our very first phone call. Every area, they have a different ideal of what a woman is. And in this area, even when I was a child, me and the farm wives, those were, those were the women. They had big families. They, they kept their families essentially running smoothly. Heck, they were out birthing a cow and then making jam that evening. I mean, these were the women. And you also had, you know, the Rosie the Riveter style kind of women when they kind of worked the factory jobs around here. So you had this identity. And unfortunately, that is faded. We don't have the small farms that we used to have. And we don't have the factory jobs anymore. So you're dealing with a community that's lost its identity of what women are. Now, you can argue that rural women and men have lost their identity as our economy shifted. Still, our speaker knows in her heart that change is needed. And this is a talk about softly but effectively bringing change to a traditional community you love. It's a delicate topic, and she wants to be careful about it. Because people where she's from, they're polite. The Midwest tends to be extremely polite. We just are 
Um, especially if you're from a small town, because odds are the person you're being rude to knows your mother or your grandmother or your sister, and somebody's gonna call you about 15 minutes after you walk away. Stakes are high when your mom might get called. And even though this talk is given anonymously, the speaker is taking on something that her friends and neighbors don't talk about. It was important to her to get it right. I'm nervous about it, but it it needs to be said. I've never struggled with writing anything the way I have struggled with writing this. And I think it's because it means so much to me. This speaker has a charming, easy way about her. But don't underestimate the courage it takes for someone in a small-town community to give this talk. All the speakers on Sincerely X have chosen to remain anonymous, and some voices have been changed to protect their anonymity. You won't know their names, and my suggestion is that you don't try to figure out who they are. Suspend judgment. Just listen. Our country is incredibly lucky. We still have a lot of nearly perfect little rural communities. Places like where I'm from. Places we should absolutely treasure. But even perfect places have problems. Problems so rooted in tradition, you probably wouldn't have even seen them if you didn't move away and come back. I know I didn't. I had the kind of childhood that you probably thought left this country in the 1960s. If you mix Norman Rockwell and Little House on the Prairie and Andy Griffith, you actually have my upbringing. We even had a kind-hearted sheriff. I went to preschool with the same 30 kids I graduated high school with. We rode our bikes on dirt roads, and our only worries were avoiding tractors and heading home before the streetlights came on. We had that kind of safe childhood, not just because we lived in a small town, but because everyone's mama was everyone's mama. And those rural women are pretty amazing. They are quick-witted and they're capable, and they kept us all in line, which was no small feat. (laughs) I married a local boy turned military man who I love to absolute distraction. His job took me and our little tribe of kids all over the country. We got to see a lot of new places and a lot of different cultures, and it probably would have been too much for this little small-town girl but the military expects its active duty women to be just like they expect their active duty men to be. And that's to say, they expect them to be badass. And they are. They are smart and strong and resilient. And they reminded me of the women back home, kept me from being too darn homesick. Despite the military's difficulties, in my experience, the Army was fairly diverse. I was surrounded by women in leadership positions and women in non-traditional roles. Meanwhile, my main contact back home was my extremely loyal sister with a wicked business degree who was helping to grow the family company, which I assumed was happening all over our little hometown. 
So when my husband got out of the military and we moved back, having been in that diverse environment, it was a whiplash experience. Because our family company had indeed grown from just a few employees to hundreds with one female manager, my sister, and she had to fight to get there. I was absolutely shocked because I just left an environment where women were making life and death decisions to go to one where none of the women at our company could even make an important one without talking to a male manager. The row of secretaries and accounting assistants looked more like the 1960s than 2016. Now, obviously, I mentioned this to her, and she agreed it was a problem. But she urged me to look around the community a little bit, too. So I did, and I kept looking. And I realized, for the first time, the mistake tradition had brought us. Women in rural areas are often in the same types of jobs that their mothers and their grandmothers held. They're secretaries, assistants, waitresses, and desk clerks. They're in lower levels of business, but rarely at the top. And none of that is anything but decent, honest work, if that's what you want and are qualified for. However, women here are automatically offered these positions that are comfortable to past generations, but don't reflect their talent level, their education, their abilities. It's tempting to just be angry. The problem is, I've known these men who own these businesses most of my life. They are good, decent people. This is just simply a traditional place holding on to traditional roles, but it's affecting our future. Our career-driven girls graduate from college with these wonderful degrees and almost immediately have to choose between the rural communities they desperately love and upper management paths. They look back home and see no place for themselves. And that's a hard loss, not just emotionally, but fiscally. And it's not one our community should have to cope with. Women have a right to live in communities that they're from, that they were raised in, that call to their heart, and still have jobs that fulfill them. I really do believe that they should not have to choose between the two. Listen, I'm doing this anonymously because I want to protect the people I love. My family's company, my husband and I's job. We have children. Our entire livelihood could suffer a serious hit if this upset someone in the wrong place. But I wouldn't be doing this talk at all if I didn't believe strongly in our rural communities. These are amazing places. I would never want anything I say here to make anyone think otherwise. Rural communities are nothing if not flexible and sensible. Whether it's lost industries or family farms or dangerous weather, we adjust, we rebuild, we fix things, and we do it together. We are decent people who love our kids. Fathers here cherish their daughters. Girls are told they can be whoever they want to be. And if asked directly, everyone believes in equality. 
Yet when we only offer women in traditional roles for our daughters to model, we're doing them a huge injustice. It's simply how it's always been, but it needs to change. And rural communities have the upper hand when it comes to making adjustments. Small communities know their community leaders in an in-depth, personal way that people in larger cities just don't. We can use that to start a new way forward. So here's what we need to do to start moving that way. First, we need to bring attention to the problem, not just through talks like this, but also conversations at your church, your school, the local cafe. Mention it, talk about it, and ask your local leaders to address it. In small towns, local leaders are not necessarily just somebody in government or sitting on the city council or the mayor. People respect certain farmers. They respect certain ranchers. They respect people who have proven themselves of being trustworthy and decent and wholesome. In small communities, sometimes the most powerful person in the community is a favorite teacher who has taught generation after generation Second, remember how effective community pressure can be. We need to turn up the praise for our businesses already offering jobs based on ability, not gender. And third, as a community, we need to actively encourage those businesses not doing that to start. Our generation, us right now, we can do it. Our rural communities are the fabric of this country. We are still the places of tractors and ladybugs and all the things people think make America great. I deeply believe that if we show this country how quickly we can change, how quickly we can embrace new ideas and move on to something better, then maybe, just maybe, we can inspire them too. Our rural communities have set the standard for this country so many times. I challenge you to do so again. I know in my little country girl heart, we can do it. One of the things I love about this talk is the love our speaker has for her community. The tractors, the ladybugs, the kind-hearted sheriff— The problems that frustrate her also motivate her, and she believes things can change. She's already seen that in her lifetime. Once our communities decide they want something changed, they want it changed, and they want it changed dramatically. And we saw this in our community um, with people who were gay because there was nobody who was gay when I was growing up. And now um, it's so much more open and welcoming as it should be. And it was simply a matter of enough community leaders having family members who said, hey, you know, this is really ridiculous to be hateful this way. I'm gay, you know? And that's all it took. That's literally all it took for the community to change its perspective because people that they knew were gay. That was all it took. So it's, it's a matter of, and I'm not trying to downplay the importance of it, but in small communities, it really is a matter of, of getting to their attention. And the best way to do that is by putting it on a personal level. So it's, it's individually asking the community to call their leaders out on it and asking the, the community leaders to respond. And once you do that in small communities, they almost always do. I wondered, 
how exactly would she call out her community leaders? Well, probably the first thing I would do would be to go to their mama and tell their mama. <laughs> hey, hey it, it works, you know. Um, but the way that we, we really bring this to the attention is through talking about it as a community. If that conversation is going on at the feed store um, among two women about how ridiculous they think it is that this girl has a law degree, but she's only able to file papers because nobody's used to seeing a female lawyer around here. And that community leader is sitting at the feed store. These people don't don't hesitate to turn around and go, hey, why is that? And you're sitting on the education board. Why aren't we bringing this to attention? Because everybody knows everybody, nobody hesitates to talk. I love this vivid description of the feed store where gender inequality could be solved. And I asked her why she believes change can happen through just those conversations. Everybody will talk to each other. So it really is a matter of, let's get this conversation going. So whether I say something to somebody or somebody hears this talk and they say something to their friend, literally in a day, Every community leader has heard about it if anybody's talking about it. In small communities, the community leaders are the community. They're, they're part of it. They're the feed store owner. They're the teacher. They're, they're the gas station attendant. These are people who may have a lot of social standing, but not necessarily a lot of job standing. So it's not necessarily a matter of having to get the attention of the mayor or city administrator. It really is a matter of just making the conversation happen because the community leaders are already there. Um, they're in your school. They're, they're, they're at the gas station. They're, they're everywhere. Um, because in rural communities, your status is not defined by your job. Your status is defined by who you are and what you stand for. Teachers and gas station attendants may not strike you as influencers, but not so in small towns. In small towns, influence stems from your family, your character, what you've given back. And if you're thinking about how to move hearts and minds in rural America, and who isn't thinking about that in 2017, then you might need to rethink where you start that conversation. The beauty and power of this speaker's perspective is that it places the power of change squarely in your hands. The equality in the workplace is not a problem that has to be solved on a nationwide level. It's not even something that has to be solved by politicians. It doesn't even have to be solved by governments. It can be solved by the individual people, whether you work at a place, whether you're, a, you're in HR, whether you own a company. You, yourself, I don't care who you are, can fix this simply by saying, I will only hire based on ability, based on qualifications, and I really, really, really don't care what gender they are. And the fact that this is one of those problems in our country, and in, I think in the world, that can be solved on an individual basis. You know, so few problems we have the ability one-on-one -on -one to be able to fix, but this one, we can. You can. As a business manager, if you look around and you see you have no women in management and, and you have an employee that would be perfect for management, you just never thought about putting her there. Do it. Just do it. 
Because on an individual basis, we can make a difference. And on an individual individual basis, we can create those ripples. And in small towns, once you start those ripples, they get huge. I'm June Cohen. Thank you for listening. On the next episode of Sincerely X. What could possibly be wrong with you that nobody in your whole entire family would take you in? That they would not mind not knowing where you were, whether you were alive or dead. You'll find new episodes of Sincerely X on channels in the Audible app. Original music on this program is composed by the Holiday Brothers with sound design and mix by Alex Trajano. The Sincerely X production team includes Chloe Shasha and Kelly Stetzel with help from Amy Eason and Barb Allen. Our executive producers are Darren Triff and Colin Campbell. Creative leadership comes from Chris Anderson at TED and Eric Newsom at Audible. From TED and Audible, this is Sincerely X.